Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode. And before we get started, let's say a word of prayer so the Lord will be with us. With that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being with us and for giving us life and health and for leading and guiding and directing us. Lord, we ask that you continue to be with us and help us to be more like you. There are tribulations and troubles and trials and the devil is always after us but Lord you are stronger than our adversary and we know that you are fighting on our behalf and advocating for us and helping us to stand strong before the enemy and we praise you for working so hard on our behalf and for cleansing us of all of our sins we would not be where we are today if you did not sacrifice your life for us and we praise your wonderful holy name because of the sacrifice and love that you have for us that while we were yet sinners you died for us and we ask that you continue to help us as time is running out and that we know that you are coming soon and we ask that we are prepared and ready for that coming we ask all these things in your precious holy wonderful son's name amen all right so part two of the books of heaven let us pick up where we left off so as you know last week we were talking about all of the books of heaven and how important it was for us to have that forgiveness of sin and we're gonna just jump right on in with some bible verses and they're also in the quote in the book that we were reading from in the great controversy there is a lot more to discuss so let's just dive right on in Thus will be realized the complete fulfillment of the new covenant promise. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found. Jeremiah 31, 34, and Jeremiah 50, 20. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and calmly for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even everyone that is written among the living in Jerusalem. Isaiah 4, 2 and 3. Such beautiful promises right here that we do not have to have sin in us and that one day very soon the Lord is going to have a pure earth with pure people. And that is why he's pleading for you to come to him and ask for forgiveness of the sins that you've committed and to help you to overcome the things that you are being tempted on. She says, The work of the investigative judgment and the blotting out of the sins is to be accomplished before the second advent of the Lord. Since the dead are to be judged out of the things written in the books, it is impossible that the sins of men should be blotted out until after the judgment at which their cases are to be investigated. But the Apostle Peter distinctly states that the sins of believers will be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ Acts 3 19 and 20. When the investigative judgment closes Christ will come and his reward will be with him to give to every man as his work shall be. In the typical service the high priest having made the atonement for Israel came forth and blessed the congregation. So Christ at the close of his work as mediator will appear without sin unto salvation Hebrews 9 
to bless his waiting people with eternal life. As the priest, in removing the sins from the sanctuary, confessed them upon the head of the scapegoat, so Christ will place all the sins upon Satan, the originator and instigator of sin. The scapegoat bearing the sins of Israel was sent away unto a land not inhabited, Leviticus 16.22. So Satan, bearing the guilt of all the sins which he has caused God's people to commit, will be for a thousand years continued to the earth, which will then be desolate, without inhabitant, and he will at last suffer the full penalty of sin in the fires that shall destroy all the wicked. Thus, the great plan of redemption will reach its accomplishment in the final eradication of sin and the deliverance of all who have been willing to renounce evil. What a day that will be to see all of that and to be a part of all that, and I pray that we are a part of that because we don't want to be on the wrong side of things. There is coming a final battle between Christ and Satan, and we have to ask ourselves which side we are going to end up on. Are we going to choose self and Satan and serve evil, or are we going to choose God and live how he wants us to live, to sacrifice, to love, to lead others to him, and to ask for forgiveness of our sins? There's only two options, and those are the two that will be presented to us, and we are given chance after chance after chance, and that's why the Holy Spirit works so hard to convict us of our sins, and that pricking of your conscience, like, this is wrong, don't do this? Why are you doing this? You can go to the Lord and get help. All of those moments where you feel like that is the Holy Spirit helping you to realize that you need your forgiveness. You need to go to God and ask him to be with you, to help you, to forgive you, to lead you on a better path so that you don't fall into the same snares time and time again. And it is hard work and it's a day by day, moment by moment process. And that is why we have to die daily. That is why we have to pray without seeing and that is why we have to always be connected to heaven because if we are not connected to heaven then we are going to fall and we are going to fail and when we fall and fail Christ is waiting there outstretched arm waiting for you to grab onto it and so he can pull you out of the miry clay that is holding you fast she says at the time appointed for the judgment the close of the 2300 days in 1844 began the work of investigation and blotting out of sins all who have ever taken taken upon themselves the name of Christ must pass its searching scrutiny. Both the living and the dead are to be judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Sins that have not been repented of and forsaken will not be pardoned and blotted out of the books of record, but will stand to witness against the sinner in the day of God. He may have committed his evil deeds in the light of day or in the darkness of night, but they were open and manifest before him with whom we have to do. Angels of God witnessed each sin and registered it in the unerring records. Sin may be concealed, denied, covered up from father, mother, wife, children, and associates. No one but the guilty actors may cherish the least suspicion of the wrong, but it is laid bare before the intelligences of heaven, the darkness of the darkest night, the secrecy of all deceptive arts, is not sufficient to veil one thought from the knowledge of the eternal. God has an exact record of every unjust account and every unfair dealing. He is not deceived by appearances of power 
piety, he makes no mistake in his estimation of character. Men may be deceived by those who are corrupt in heart, but God pierces all disguises and reads the inner life. How solemn is the thought. Day after day, passing into eternity, bears its burden of records for the books of heaven. Words once spoken, deeds once done, can never be recalled. Angels have registered both the good and the evil. The mightiest conqueror upon the earth cannot call back the record of even a single day. Our acts, our words, even our most secret motives all have their weight in deciding our destiny for weal or woe. Though they may be forgotten by us, they will bear their testimony to justify or condemn. What a solemn thought indeed to think about all of the things that we are doing on a day-by-day -day basis that could be pushing us away from losing out on eternal life. It is a sad and somber thought indeed and we need to think about those things very carefully. We all have things in our lives that have to change, have to grow, have to be better at. We all are sinners in need of a great Savior, and we are blessed to have such a wonderful, merciful, kind, loving, heavenly Father who is really wanting us to be in heaven, ready for us to claim that power that he gives to us through his son, Jesus, to claim the victory, to get this sin out of our lives so that we don't have to be left in darkness, so that we don't have to bear our sins on our own shoulders and so that when we stand before judgment all that they see is our books which are blotted out with the blood of Christ all they see is Christ's perfect life because we don't want to be lost we don't want to never be in heaven for all of eternity to sit by Jesus's feet to learn of him to feel that love to miss out on something so amazing as eternal life and the love of the Godhead. We need that in our lives forever and we have to think about this seriously. We have to start acting every day that, hey, my words, thoughts, deeds, everything is important. It's not some simple little matter. It doesn't matter what I say or it doesn't matter what I do. I can think, I can do whatever I want to do and it doesn't matter. As long as I'm kind and good and live a good life, that's all that matters. We're told here a different story. Every word, every act, every thought in our heart is written and recorded and judged whether it's good or evil and we have much to give an account for and we have much to ask the Lord's forgiveness that is so very solemn to think about the fact that we have failed so many many times with things that we have done and said and how we've acted and talked and even our very thoughts that we've had things that we do that we keep hidden from everybody else all of these things could keep us from heaven and we need to ask ourselves the all-burning question is what I'm doing saying thinking whatever it might be is that worth it if I lose out on eternity if I lose my soul because of this and then we have to make changes and that is sometimes hard for us because we get into our comfortable zone and we don't like to leave that comfort zone and instead Christ is saying look I have something better for you you don't have to stay the way that you are I have prepared a much better life for you just choose me me. That's what I'm asking for. I want you to choose me. I want you to love me because I love you and I chose you. And my child, this world is not your home. Don't
don't get caught up in the things of this world. Instead, put your gaze on things of heaven. She says this, as the features of the countenance are reproduced with unerring accuracy on the polished plate of the artist, so the character is faithfully delineated in the books above. Yet how little solicitude is felt concerning that record which is to meet the gaze of heavenly beings. Could the veil which separates the visible from the invisible world be swept back and the children of men behold an angel recording every word and deed which they must meet again in the judgment? How many words that are daily uttered would remain unspoken? How many deeds would remain undone? And these things we need to keep in the forefront of our mind and know that, hey, we are not alone. Angels are recording everything we do. We might not be able to see it but if we could we would be doing a lot less than what we're doing now we would probably get our acts together by seeing this holy being and the angels are holy but they are nothing compared to the holy heavenly god that we serve and imagine doing some of the things that we do in front of him we would be in terror because we are standing before a holy holy being the god of the universe and we would be scared for our lives because we know in and our heart that we are not holy and that we do not deserve to be standing before him much less kneeling on our feet prostrate falling before him these things we should keep at the forefront of our mind in the judgment the use made of every talent will be scrutinized how have we employed the capital lent us of heaven will the lord at his coming receive his own with us have we improved the powers entrusted us in hand and heart and brain to the glory of god and the blessing of the world how have we used our time, our pen, our voice, our money, our influence. What have we done for Christ in the person of the poor, the afflicted, the orphan, or the widow? God has made us the depositaries of his holy word. What have we done with the light and truth given us to make men wise unto salvation? No value is attached to a mere profession of faith in Christ. Only the love which is shown by works is counted genuine. Yet it is love alone which is in the sight of heaven makes any act of value. Whatever is done from love, however small it may appear in the estimation of man, is accepted and rewarded of God. The hidden selfishness of men stands revealed in the books of heaven. There is the record of unfulfilled duties to their fellow men, of forgetfulness of the Savior's claims. There they will see how often were given to Satan the time, thought, and strength that belong to Christ. Sad is the record which angels bear to heaven. Intelligent beings professed followers of Christ are absorbed in the acquirement of worldly possessions or the enjoyment of earthly pleasures. Money, time, and strength are sacrificed for display and self-indulgence, but few are the moments devoted to prayer, to the searching of the scriptures, to humiliation of soul, and confession of sin. This is very true indeed, and while it's not wrong to have things, it is a matter of whether what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with this? What? How can you use this to benefit God's kingdom? How can you use this to witness? How can you use your time wisely? And be careful with how you spend your money because it's not your money. It's God's money that he gave to you. He blessed you with it. The ability to earn this money, however you're earning it, 
and hopefully in a good way because if you're not then that's another whole other topic and other sin but the point being is that we have to give an account for everything that we do money time talents the things we think say do wear eat all of it is very important and people who tell you a different story they don't really understand the or even get the concept that Christ does care about these things Christ wants us to be perfect like he is perfect he calls us to be peculiar people and we do that through all of these things so sometimes we have to ask forgiveness for money that we may have wasted time we have wasted away doing stupid things and doing things that may be even against the Bible and also to use our talents in a way that isn't glorifying Christ so all of these things we need to think about and then ask for the Lord's forgiveness and then find out ways you can replace things that you were doing with your time with your money with all of these things she continues Satan invents unnumbered schemes to occupy our minds that they may not dwell upon the very work with which we ought to be best acquainted the arch deceiver hates the great truths that bring to view an atoning sacrifice and an all-powerful mediator he knows that with him everything depends on his diverting minds from Jesus and his truth those who would share the benefits of the Savior's meditation should permit nothing to interfere with their duty to perfect holiness and the fear of God. The precious hours, instead of being given to pleasure, to display, or to gain-seeking, should be devoted to an earnest, prayerful study of the word of truth. The subject of the sanctuary and the investigative judgment should be clearly understood by the people of God. All need knowledge for themselves of the position and work of their great high priest. Otherwise, it will be impossible for them to exercise the faith which is essential at this time or to occupy the position which God designs them to fill. Every individual has a soul to save or to lose. Each has a case pending at the bar of God. Each must meet the great judge face to face. How important then that every mind contemplate often the solemn scene when the judgment shall sit and the book shall be open. When with Daniel, every individual must stand in his lot at the end of the days. All who have received the light upon these subjects are to bear testimony of the great truths which God has committed to them. The sanctuary in heaven is the very center of Christ's work in behalf of men. It concerns every soul living upon the earth. It opens to view the plan of redemption, bringing us down to the very close of time and revealing the triumphant issue of the contest between righteousness and sin. It is of the utmost importance that all should thoroughly investigate these subjects and be able to give an answer to everyone that asketh them a reason of the hope that is in them. This is very important. We have some serious things that we need to fill our time with. These subjects, like she was talking about, need to be so known to us that we can just give an answer like that to people when they want to ask us questions, when we have to know the Bible verses, the quotes. We have to know how to answer people about these things because it is very important. And it's sad to say, but a lot of Adventists and a lot of people in the church nowadays do not even remember how to explain all of the things of the sanctuary anymore or the investigative judgment or anything to do with these things because they're so focused on unimportant things, to be honest with you. And all they care about is coming to church once a week, 
And that's basically it. And then they go home and they live the rest of their lives how they want to live it. We have a work to do and we need to study to show ourselves approved. And we need to give an answer. And we need to tell people about these things because they're very important subjects. Many people don't understand the sanctuary or why it was given or what it is even doing in the Bible. And most people skip over it when they read it in Exodus and Leviticus and all of the other places in the Bible because they're like, oh, just talking about the building of a sanctuary and all this stuff. I mean, what does that even have to do with my day and age? They don't even do that anymore. But little do they know that these things are very relevant and are still going on to this day and age and that all of those things were leading to what Christ is doing on our behalf. She says the intercession of Christ in man's behalf in the sanctuary above is as essential to the plan of salvation as was his death upon the cross. By his death, he began that work which after his resurrection he ascended to complete in heaven we must by faith enter within the veil whether the forerunner is for us entered hebrews 6 20 there the light from the cross of calvary is reflected there we may gain a clearer insight into the mysteries of redemption the salvation of man is accomplished at an infinite expense to heaven the sacrifice made is equal to the broadest demands of the broken law of god jesus has opened the way to the Father's throne, and through his mediation, the sincere desire of all who come to him in faith may be presented before God. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Proverbs 28:13. If those who hide and excuse their faults could see how Satan exalts over them, how he taunts Christ and holy angels with their course, they would make haste to confess their sins and to put them away. Through defects in the character, Satan works to gain control of the whole mind, and he knows that if these defects are cherished, he will succeed. Therefore, he is constantly seeking to deceive the followers of Christ with his fatal sophistry that it is impossible for them to overcome. But Jesus pleads in their behalf his wounded hands, his bruised body, and he declares to all who would follow him, my grace is sufficient for thee, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11:29 and 30. Let none then regard their defects as incurable. God will give faith and grace to overcome them. All we need to do is ask for God's help to get rid of those evil tendencies and traits that we have. To ask the Lord to hate those things in our life that we are clinging on to, whatever they may be. Help us to have that willingness to sacrifice all for you Lord because we want to be in heaven with you this is what we need to pray this is what we need to always be thinking of and when somebody brings it to our attention things that we should be changing in our character then we should be prayerfully considering those things instead of getting offended by them calling us out because it might be true what they're saying and it could be the fact that we do need to change we do need to get our acts together because time is no longer on our side time is running out and fast she says we are now living in the great day of atonement in the typical 
service, while the high priest was making the atonement for Israel, all were required to afflict their souls by repentance of sin and humiliation before the Lord, lest they be cut off from among the people. In like manner, all who would have their names retained in the book of life should now, in the few remaining days of their probation, afflict their souls before God by sorrow for sin and true repentance. There must be deep, faithful searching of heart. The light, frivolous spirit indulged by so many professed Christians must be put away. There is earnest warfare before all who would subdue the evil tendencies that strive for the mastery. The work of preparation is an individual work. We are not saved in groups. The purity and devotion of one will not offset the want of these qualities in another. Though all nations are to pass in judgment before God, yet he will examine the case of each individual with as close and searching scrutiny as if there was not another being upon the earth. Everyone must be tested and found without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Solemn are the scenes connected with the closing work of the atonement. Momentous are the interests involved therein. The judgment is now passing in the sanctuary above. For many years, this work has been in progress. Soon, none know how soon, it will pass to the cases of the living. In the awful presence of God, our lives are to come up in review. At this time, above all others, it behooves every soul to heed the Savior's admonition. Watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Mark 13:33. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt know what hour I will come upon thee. Revelation 3:3. When the work of the investigative judgment closes, the destiny of all will have been decided for life or death. Probation is ended a short time before the appearing of the Lord in the clouds of heaven. Christ in the revelation looking forward to that time declares, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Revelation 22, 11 and 12. The righteous and the wicked will still be living upon the earth in their mortal state. Men will be planting and building, eating and drinking, all unconscious that the final irrevocable decision has been pronounced in the sanctuary above. Before the flood, after Noah entered the ark, God shut him in and shut the ungodly out. But for seven days the people, knowing not that their doom was fixed, continued their careless, pleasure-loving life and mocked the warnings of impending judgment. So, says the Savior, shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, Matthew 24, 39. Silently, unnoticed as the midnight thief, will come the decisive hour which marks the fixing of every man's destiny, the final withdrawal of mercy's offer to guilty men. Watch ye therefore, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping, Mark 13, 35, and 36. Perilous is the condition of those who, growing weary of their watch, turn to the attractions of the world. While the man of business is absorbed in the pursuit of gain, while the pleasure lover is seeking indulgence, while the daughter of fashion is arranging her adornments, it may be in that hour the judge of all the earth will pronounce the sentence, Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Daniel 5:27. My, oh my, these are indeed very solemn times, very interesting times. We need 
need now more than ever to prepare for Christ's soon coming because we do not know when it is going to come. And it will come upon us, like she said, as a thief in the night. So while we're doing every normal day things, boom, that could be the day when probation is closed. And it is about to close on us. We need to live every single day in Christ. We need to not grow careless in what we're doing. We need to watch and pray. That's why God told us so many times and warned us, don't be deceived. Watch, pray, stay up, pray, know, study, be prepared for what is to come. I want you to be prepared. And this is why I'm giving you these warnings. This is why I'm telling you these things so that you're not found outside of the ark like everybody else. Be inside the ark. This is why I prepared you for such a time as this. I gave you all of the information that you need. I gave you all of the conviction I could. I, I tried and I tried and I pled on your behalf, but you just wouldn't listen. Please listen to me before it is too late. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you forgiveness and pardon and I will help you and lead and guide and direct you so that you are not found wanting without the gates. Please come before it is too late. This is the plea for us that Christ has and he wants us to come to him today and I hope that you do come to him today because we are living in rough times. We have a lot of things that attract us to the world but we need to be ready for Christ's coming. And now I have a few other quotes. R.H. August 20, 1903 paragraph 19 says, the powers from, from beneath are working with intensity of effort. Soon will come the time when God will discern between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Soon will come the time of which John writes, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. MS 29, 1886, paragraph 1-4 says, Christ left heaven that we might be redeemed from the depths of sin and degradation, and that we might have eternal riches. Our characters are photographed on the books of heaven, and from these books we are to be judged. What have we done with the talents that God has given us? Have we exerted our influence on the right side? Have we set the proper example, or have we been following the fashions of the world? Have we used our powers in God's service? Do our lives reflect light to those around us? God expects everyone to make the best use of his faculties. If we fulfill the mission that has been assigned us, the result will be seen in the kingdom of God, and to us will be spoken the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. These are the questions we need to ask ourselves very carefully and what we need to be thinking upon and what we need to be doing in order to change so that we are setting a good example. We are living to the light and to try to always study and learn and grow and see how we can change and be more like Christ and less like ourselves. It says in Signs of the Times, July 31, 1901, paragraph 3, God's law reaches the feelings and motives as well as the outward acts. 
It reveals the secrets of the heart, flashing light upon things before buried in darkness. God knows every thought, every purpose, every plan, every motive. The books of heaven record the sins that would have been committed had there been opportunity. God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. By his law, he measures the character of every man. As the artist transfers to the canvas the features of the face, so the features of each individual character are transferred to the books of heaven. God has a perfect photograph of every man's character, and this photograph he compares with his law. He reveals to man the defects that mar his life, and calls upon him to repent and turn from sin. SPM 105.1 says, If a teacher cannot be made to feel the responsibility and the carefulness he should ever reveal in dealing with the human minds, his education has in some cases been very defective, and the home life and training has been harmful to the character, and it is a sad thing to reproduce this defective character and management in the children brought under his control. We are standing before God on test and trial to see if we can individually be trusted to be of the number of the family who shall compose the redeemed in heaven. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. S.T. June 2, 1890, paragraph 4 says, During the time of trouble, the position of God's people will be similar to the position of Joshua. They will not be ignorant of the work going on in heaven in their behalf. They will realize that sin is recorded against their names. But they will also know that the sins of all who repent and lay hold of the merits of Christ will be canceled. Jesus says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. The judgment of the dead has been going on, and soon the judgment will begin upon the living, and every case will be decided. It will be known whose names are retained upon the book of life and whose are blotted out. Every day the angels of God keep a record of the transactions of men, and these records stand open to the eyes of angels and Christ and God. Those who have manifested true repentance for sin and by living faith in Christ are obedient to God's commandments will have their names retained in the book of life and they will be confessed before the Father and before the holy angels. Jesus will say, they are mine. I have purchased them with my own blood. I wanted to include these quotes because they are so encouraging. Yes, we have such uh, work before us, ahead of us. We all have sinned and come short. We all have things that we have to work on. None of us are perfect. And we all need to be praying for those things that we need to change. But God does not leave us without hope. He gives us this hope. He says, if you confess your sins, if you are truly repentant, and if you lay hold upon me, I will blot out those sins. I will forgive you. I will then confess before my Father that I have made the sacrifice. I have purchased you. You are mine. You do not have to worry anymore about your name being blotted out because you have done what I have asked you to do. You gave of yourself. You ask for forgiveness. And this is such a beautiful and wonderful promise that we can cling to and that we need to remind ourselves day, day by day and with each passing moment because we have an adversary who is working hard to get us so that we don't go to Christ and ask for forgiveness and to change our lives. The Lord will help us and be with us as we continue to go to him, as we continue to plead and ask for God's help every single moment. That is the true secret to a Christian life. And 
end to overcoming sin is that relationship and connection with Christ. And now I want to read one final quote, 9MR 264.1, and along with it, manuscript 84, 1886, paragraph 3. It says this, we read here, Revelation 7, 9, that John saw the throne of God, and around that throne a company, and he inquired, who are these? The answer came, these are they which have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 7, 14, Christ leads them to the fountains of living waters, and there is the tree of life, and there is the precious Savior. Here is presented to us a life that measures with the life of God. There is no pain, sorrow, sickness, or death there. All is peace and harmony and love. We want you to be in that heaven. Christ has died that we might keep God's commandments. Will you have your names registered in the Lamb's book of life? Then be careful and zealous to repent of every sin. He says, I will not blot out your name from the book of life, but I will confess it before my Father and his angels. Revelation 3, 5. We want you to be happy here in order to be happy in the heaven above. And in order to be happy here, you must make an entire surrender to God. And then ask God to come into your heart and abide there. And by your example, seek to glorify God. The religion of Christ never discourages the receiver. It is fitting him for the society of angels in heaven. And that is where we want to be. We want to be in that position where his light and love will shine upon us so that we can gather rays of light from glory and scatter them upon those around us. What a beautiful thing to end on because this is a precious promise indeed and this is exactly what we need to be striving for and exactly what we need to be doing. We need that light and love in us so that we can not only have uh, a home in heaven and be with our Savior who loves us, but also to lead others so that they can see how good and how kind and how amazing our God is and how they can be in heaven with us. And so I want you to keep all of these things in mind. Keep me in prayer as I keep all of you in prayer as well. And I ask that you continue to study this out for yourself and keep this in your mind and get to know the investigative judgment well so that you can give an answer to those who ask a reason. And now I want to sing this song called We Know Not the Hour. We know not the hour of the Master's appearing, yet signs all foretell that the moment is nearing. When he shall return, tis a promise most cheering, but we know and be ready he will come hallelujah hallelujah he will come in the clouds of his father's bright glory but we know not the hour there's light for the wise who are seeking salvation there's truth in the book of divine revelation needs prophecy points to the great consummation but we Come, let us watch and be ready, he will come.
come. Hallelujah, hallelujah, he will come in the clouds of his Father's bright glory. But we know not the hour. We'll watch and we'll pray with our lamps trimmed and burning. We'll work and we'll wait till the Master's returning. We'll sing and rejoice every omen discerning. But we know not the hour. He will come. Let us watch and be ready. He will come. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He will come in the clouds of his Father's bright glory. But we know not the hour. And indeed, he is coming, and we must be ready. And by being ready, we give all to God and we give of our hearts and we make sure that the books, our books in heaven, display Christ's perfect life. Remember what it says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So with all of this being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.